everybody. Welcome back to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday, July 21st. Summer is heating up, and what a better way to talk Star Wars than with a guest. But with me, as always, is James and Lacey. And our guest is an actor, comedian, impressionist, Star Wars fan in his own right. And as if you're a Star Wars fan, you probably might know him best as the best George Lucas impressionist in the galaxy. And if you attended our live event at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, you know why he earns that recognition. So welcome to the Resistance Base, the great Josh Robert Thompson. Hey. Yes. <laughs> I got my I got my blue background. I'm I'm all set. I'm about You've I'm been about... replaced you've replaced John. Yeah, I'm no like background. 10 years behind. I know I know that's the rule. You got to have a blue background. So yeah. I finally <laughs> figured it out. Um got my got a camera and some lights and I thought, "Wait, I have to have a blue background." So happy to be here. Thanks for Excellent. having me on. Very excited. And uh an amazing response, by the way, from uh, your audience to the George Lucas uh, <laughs> voice message. It was really mm. nice to see. That was amazing. My favorite <laughs> part was the clown. JJ clown. <laughs> yeah, clown. JJ is a clown. <laughs> well, it's good. Doing the George Lucas, it allows me to get my own. See, I can get all of my own opinions out there right. without it really having been me. You know, yeah. it's George. So Right. Uh, I thought yeah. when you said... These films will be so small, even I won't see them. I, the, the, so when you first sent it to me, and you know, I listened to that, I, I had to stop it because I died. I was like, that is ridiculous. That is so funny. I mean, that's something George probably would say. And um, a good friend of mine and a, and a great, probably one of the great greatest impressionists right now, a guy named Jeff Richards, he has a show uh, where he hosts the show as different celebrities using deep fake technology. And oh, I've gone man. out a couple of times as George and he will be Dustin Hoffman. So you can imagine those two having a dialogue and that's where the, the, the tiny films concept came from. Films oh, so man. small that uh, George can't even see the monitor and no one may ever see them. <laughs> and I love that, that is, idea. Oh yeah. my God, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so before we get into things, I know a lot of people usually save plugs for the end. We don't do that, we don't like that. Um, so. What have you got going on right now? Uh, lay it on us. I know there's a bunch of stuff you had told me in advance. Uh, I'm going to pretend you didn't, but uh, okay. what's up? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the big one is uh, a new ABC game show, summer game show, really fun for the whole family. It's it's one of the rare things that I'm involved in that uh, the whole family can watch. So <laughs> uh, rest easy, Grandma. You're going to enjoy it. Um, it is called The Final Straw, hosted by Janelle James from... ABC's uh, Abbott Elementary, and um, I play Fred. I play the announcer Fred, and uh, you can't see me, but you can hear me, and I say all kinds of crazy things. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like similar to the work I did on the Late Late Show uh, and the stuff I do on the Kelly Clarkson Show. Although in this case, I don't have to, uh, you know, puppeteer a robot or anything. I can just <laughs> sort of sit back there and do stuff. So that's really fun. And then I just, um, well, something I did a few years ago, something I did in February, 2020, just before everything went to hell, uh, was a really funny, deep fake, uh, completely improv video with my friend, Jamie Costa, who is, you know, a legend, great actor, oh, yeah. you know, just a good friend and a wonderful guy. Um, he plays Harrison Ford and I play uh, Steven Spielberg. And it's the moment where Spielberg has to tell Harrison Ford that he will not be directing <laughs> the new Indiana Jones film. And 
I've worked with Jamie Costa in the past. We did a thing called the Deep Fake Roundtable for Collider, which was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played Jeff Goldblum, yes, and uh, and George <laughs> Lucas uh, in that one, and uh, and that was, that was a great one. And so that's how I met Jamie. And then Jamie and I did another one where it was Harrison Ford and George Lucas, who really should have their own. I think morning talk show. It should be a regular series. It was us reacting to the baby Yoda memes at the time. Right. And that was really fun too. So this, this one was just released today. Uh, I think in time for uh, Harrison Ford's 80th birthday. And um, it's really fun. It's pretty crazy. It is not for the entire family, um, but you should check it out anyway. So that's kind of what I got going. There was um, a, a, I won't reveal it, but a very interesting twist at the end. <laughs> yeah, there is a very there's a there's a twist and a special guest. Um, so that's and and shout out to Mark Fernandez who uh, who used to be you know running things over at Collider and um, you know his team of effects wizards did a lot of that all that deep fake stuff and, and did it so well. I mean even even a couple years ago uh, it still looks really great. Um, and then the other things are. Um, I'm doing a lot of audiobooks for Audible. Um, you know, Audible's doing a lot of scripted series now, really mm-hmm. cool, dramatic stuff with big celebrities. So one of them is Fish Priest, which is a crime drama, really gritty thriller starring Ethan Hawke. And I play a bunch of characters, I think 12 or 13 characters in that. Um, and then the newest one is Moriarty Devil's Game, which is a Sherlock's, a Sherlock Holmes mystery. And I play uh, Lestrade, and uh, Dominic Monaghan is uh, is uh, Moriarty. So, oh, um, cool. And Phil Lamar, the great Phil Lamar, one of the great actors and voice actors. Phil Lamar is uh, Sherlock. So, um, so th- that that's everything, folks. Good night. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Take care. I'm out. It has been a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so much, Josh. It's uh, really all no. you need. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's awesome. And and I know off air, James was just saying how he was watching the final straw. Yeah. yeah. Knowing you were going to be on our show, not knowing you were Fred, uh, yeah. the announcer, which, cool. by the way, the voice sounds like you could easily transition that into a voiceover of old NFL films or something like that. Like, yeah, very... he, Fred, Fred is sort of kind of. Yeah, he's that's 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 a good uh, observation. I mean, Fred is like um former uh you know he was probably a big time radio guy in the 70s and uh he fell on hard times um he's also based on a good friend of mine who is one of the great you know radio voices a guy named shadow stevens shadow stevens and shadow used used to be on um hollywood squares and he did american top 40 for a little while as well anyway um so it's kind of that big bombastic but then fred sort of uh (laughs) He just he knows a lot about um, nothing. So Fred is a know-it-all <laughs> who interjects during the show as often as he can and says things like, "Hey Janelle, did you know that birthday cakes uh, originally started out as you know cupcake, whatever it is, whatever stupid thing it is, um, <laughs> mostly improvised, and uh, it's a lot of fun." So Fred, catch it Sundays, ABC. <laughs> Give us That's a season awesome. two, please. That's great. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, um, and. So in terms of like, we'll, we'll nerd out on Star Wars in a bit, but in terms of, you know, your line of work, um, how did you, I guess the first question that probably a lot of people and a lot of our listeners want to know is how did you realize that you were good at impressions? Were you a kid and just copying stuff on TV or like, what was the deal? Yeah. I mean, I think that's usually how it happens. I mean, growing up in the, in the, you know, in the late seventies, the Muppet show 
was, uh, you know, still airing. The original series was still airing on CBS. So I used to watch that when I was a little kid. And then I would mimic uh, the voices of the characters into my, you know, Fisher Price tape recorder. And uh, and it was very magical to hear your voice played back. And, and so eventually um, I started doing my own kind of radio plays. Uh, you know, I, I was I grew up an only child in Cleveland. And it didn't play sports. So really, that's the perfect recipe for uh, for talking to yourself. <laughs> and I watched a lot of late night um, uh, monster movie shows. You know, we in, in Cleveland in the 80s, we had probably five or six shows at one time. There was like Frank and Drac, Big Chuck and Little John, The Ghoul, Son of Ghoul. You know, Elvira was nationally syndicated, super host. So I watched all these shows and... Um, and it kind of kind of mimicked what I saw. I kind of made my own, uh, you know, uh, horror horror themed radio plays. And so that's kind of how I, I got. Basically, I talked to myself a lot is what I'm trying to say. OK, <laughs> uh, I was I was alone a lot and I talked to myself a lot. Did Pretty you ever do stuff for the Muppets? Did you ever come full circle? Um, no, but I I did. uh I won in the year in 2000 uh, in Santa Monica, California, they had uh, the first and only Muppet convention. It was called Muppet Fest. And how did I miss that? Yeah, I, I, I was so excited. I think this was I think they were trying to see where the fan base was at that time. I think that the the company had changed hands and maybe there was some German company that owned the Muppets at that time. And they were trying to see like what you know, is this still viable? And so they had this convention and I went down there wearing my uh, my Sesame Street uh, necktie. And uh, and I um, had some business cards made that said, you know, professional gopher. It's a Josh Thompson professional gopher, gopher <laughs> coffee, gopher lunch, gopher broke. I was trying to just become a PA and um and I met everybody. I met Brian Henson and I met, you know, Dave Gels and, um, uh, um, you know, Dave, uh, is it, is, no, Jerry, Jerry Nelson and uh, Steve Whitmire. All, so I, I was just out of my mind with excitement. Richard Hunt. Uh, I don't know. Richard Hunt wasn't he was no longer with us at that time. But anyway, um, and uh, so you could ask a question. They had a Q&A segment. And so I asked Bill Beretta who's the guy that uh, came up with Pepe the Prawn, who's like one oh, of the great, so great, right. He's one of the great new characters and Bobo the Bear as well. At that time, just I think around that time, there had been a show called Muppets Tonight, which was on ABC, mm -hmm. short-lived, brilliant show. And um, there was also Tickle Me Elmo was kind of popular at the yeah, time. Oh, so, yeah, so I asked Bill Beretta jokingly, I said, I know there's Tickle Me Elmo, but will, would there be a Tickle Me Pepe? And uh, and it just <laughs> sounded so inappropriate. And uh, and they laughed. And uh, but that that was it. That was my that was my brush with uh, with the Muppets. Although um, when I made my TV special or my TV pilot a few years ago, um, I did work with uh, some some folks from the Muppets actually um, did some puppeteering. And so, oh, you know, awesome. some kind of kind of connected in that way. And uh, oh, that's cool. And uh, I can't say what show it is, but uh, my girlfriend is an amazing filmmaker and animator. And uh, she uh, our garage is kind of a 
workshop right now and she just built some really cool props for uh, a new Muppet uh, series that's coming up. So, uh, nice. so there you go. That's so there exciting. Go. Cool. There's my cool. Muppet story. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of connectivity there in my opinion. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I kind of downplayed it. I feel like I'm connected yeah. somehow. Yeah. So um, I got to touch on this because I was always a fan of the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, it. I feel like his show, like I even liked Craig Kilborn. I liked that whole chain of events and, and the, the hand, passing of the baton, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, vers versus what was on the other side of the aisle. Um, and just his way of interviewing, his casual way of interviewing felt genuine, felt real. And I was drawn to that. And I was, always liked his uh, self-deprecating humor and stuff like that. How did you get involved with that? And I know like with Jeff the Robot, like you, you not only did the voice and stuff like that, but you also did the puppeteering, right? So yeah. Was that your first foray into puppeteering on a professional level? Like, because like you, um, you were talking about, you know, your interest in Muppets and stuff. So that had to have been like, I'm kind of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, a, I was doing a, I mean, I eventually I moved from Cleveland to uh, Los Angeles about 1995. And uh, a couple years after that, I started doing my own local TV shows uh, or public access TV, you know, um, in a city, uh, Chino, California, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. cows and the men's prison right and um so but this was like wayne's world or uh uhf right this studio was really in the middle of nowhere and i started volunteering my time there and um then i started doing my own late night horror movie show schlock theater and uh i had a little co-host who was a puppet a cable controlled puppet uh named timmy the troll that i controlled you know, I would operate and he would sit on my shoulder and then I would add his voice in post. Right. So I was already kind of I was the host and I was also the sidekick on that show. <laughs> and so I did public still access, talking to yourself, still talking yes, to myself. Still exactly. talking to yourself. <laughs> but now maybe this time, like eight people were watching. Right. So <laughs> instead of just me, myself and um, eventually. One of the people that was watching was uh, a guy named Joe. Strazulo, who at the time was a writer for The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, which at that point was about a year old or so. And mm -hmm. um, so that would have been, uh, that's a little later on, but that would have been um, 2007. Gotcha. And uh, anyway, he sent me an email and said, hey, I saw some of your stuff. You know, I, I also I had also been doing the Howard Stern show for many years, calling in as you know right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Howard, good morning, and all that. You know, we could talk about that later, <laughs> but but that's how but that's how the Late Late Show found me. So yes, I had been doing puppets already, and I had been hosting, and so it's kind of weird that I ended up behind a wall because <laughs> in my mind, for all those years, I was the host, and I am much more comfortable. I mean, I can do either, but I my heart belongs on camera. You know, I like right. to host and. Um, and so, but hey, man, this this late late show, you know, we had no idea that uh, that it would become what it was. I mean, when I started on the show, I started out doing Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was on camera in sketches in full like latex makeup and muscle suit as <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, who at the time was the governor of California, of <laughs> California. Why? You know, so Craig would. You know, you know, be like, well, you, so we got the governor of California and he's joining us today. And so, hey, governor, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm great, Craig. How are you? You know, it'd be like a split screen and you'd see me in Sacramento, you know, green screen or whatever. Yeah. And um, 
so that's how I that's how I cut my teeth. That's how I learned. You know, I I did improv and made my own shows. So I didn't go to like Groundlings or Second City. I just mm -hmm. sort of figured it out myself with a group of other friends. And um, and so yeah, it was like, oh wow, now it's the culmination of everything. And then when Jeff Peterson came along, uh, you know, built of course by the late Grant Imahara. In fact, just yesterday was the you know two year anniversary of of his passing. But Grant from yeah, well, of course the Star Wars prequels. I mean, his incredible work with uh, robotics and um, you know MythBusters. He built this amazing robot for Craig, and then Craig kind of got tired of doing the voice after a couple of weeks. Craig pre-recorded the voice and said, "You know, I'm tired of doing it, man. You want to give it a shot and try see what you can do?" And I said, "Okay." And you know, we again had no idea that the late late show would um incorporate everything that i had been doing but i mean it's kind of that thing if like you just keep doing what you enjoy right on public access in the middle of nowhere for like five people <laughs> something's right. gonna happen i would imagine yeah. it's know? like yeah. your uh mrs doubtfire moment that's exactly it. around then someone walks in yeah yeah that's it i mean it's pretty amazing. And so we also did not know that Jeff Peterson, that character would last very long as Craig got very bored with a lot of the props and things on that show. We used to do sketches. He didn't want to do that anymore. He used to have a sound machine. He got rid of that, you know? So I just assumed it would last maybe a couple of weeks and then that would be it. But I think once we started doing it live, once I was actually there instead of pre-recorded after about a year, um, yeah, man, it was on this chemistry that you can't, uh, you just can't plan for it. So it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that show. You know, I, I absolutely think he's genius. You know, his comedy is just so quick and witty. And I watch YouTube videos on how to, I've, I've have watched videos on how to be more, uh, like personality based, you know, on this, and they use Craig Kilborn a lot, like uh, as an example of like how to Ferguson. correctly do that. Or yeah, I'm sorry, how to do um, that more uh, effectively the way he does it, kind of thing. Right. But it's it's so cool because when I think of that show, I always think of the sidekick being Jeff mm. the robot, and how interesting yeah. and of a dynamic that was in comparison to everybody else who, you know, like Conan has his Andy or whatever, but um, Craig always had this like crazy robot. So it's it's kind of wild in my mind to, be, to even be here, you know, like talking to you. Yeah, I wish, for that reason. I mean, it's great to hear that. And a lot of people say that um, it, it's amazing the number of people that still don't know who who the guy is that did the robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they know the name Jeff Peterson, which is pretty common with characters, you know, People just, they they love a character. They know exactly who that character is. They have, you know, all kinds of you know, action figures and whatever that celebrate the character, but they don't really know. But I think that's changed. I think now, obviously, with what you're all doing and, and with conventions being what they are now and just the way that the audience is so connected with the performers, I wish that... Um, I, I would imagine if I had done if I did some kind of convention, it would be kind of amazing to, you know, meet meet the people. Craig and I did do Comic Con years ago, I think maybe twenty I think it was twenty fourteen, maybe. I don't remember, but um it was incredible to actually meet people. And, you know, when I went to Comic Con twice as Jeff Peterson at the CBS booth, and I always joke 
I always say when you go to Comic-Con, that's, of course, the first place everybody goes is the CBS television booth. (laughs) (laughs) Wrongs of people. Um, The 80 and up demographic can't wait to get over there. Um, But, you know, they made me stay in the booth. The producers at the time wouldn't Mm. let me come out. And I was trying to explain to them. No, this is why people come here. They, they. I mean, yes, they're gonna. They got to meet Jeff Peterson and take pictures with him. And I was inside this little booth puppeteering and talking to people. Mm-hmm. But in my heart, I was like, no, I want to. I want to meet these people. Yeah, you know. Right. But that's changed over the years. You know, people are just now finding our show. I mean, during the during the at the height of the pandemic, and uh, a lot of people were home, and all of a sudden. There were all these people that were going on YouTube and looking at all these uh, clips and episodes of our show and finding yeah. it for the first time and then figuring out that I was involved or that I had something to do with it. So it, it's amazing. It really is amazing. I mean, that, to to be a part of that show and to be a part of a character like that that has endured for this long um you know, that's it's incredible to I me. I feel like I feel like Craig has a very specific clip that goes viral like every other year or something like that. And that's mm-hmm. the stuff about Britney Spears. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel right. like it, it, that is probably the most consistent clip from the show that I see that always when it pops up, you know, people back in, people are like, wow, I can't believe he was standing up for the, for her at this time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it always is that thing that revitalizes my, like, Oh man, I forgot how awesome this guy is. I'm going to go back and mm-hmm. rewatch clips and stuff like that. And I imagine yeah. that clip alone like feeds a bunch of the other stuff too. So pretty cool. I think so. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it, you know, it's, it's like anything, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day about uh, stranger things and how stranger things will, you know, they'll, they'll use songs of the day um, from Mm -hmm. the eighties. And so now like Kate Bush and um, you know, journey and, and, and even music. Yeah. But Tangerine dream and, and Vangelis things that I've enjoyed, you know, now so now you've got all these young people that are going to go go find that stuff so it's kind of that amazing and they're top charting on spotify and stuff yeah like they're all up on the top charts yeah yeah which is really that's really cool to see so i think like i think these things are just out there forever just like the show just like you know jeff peterson the late late show and all that stuff it's it's always nice man it's always you're immortal now man you're immortal yeah i guess so yeah, I don't feel it, but yes. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff always looked immortal. I mean, he's a robot. He's a skeleton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, he's out there somewhere in one of his places. I guess. I guess he's uh, he's got real estate. He's always got For a me, place there. Do you For not me, have he, one? A version of him? That's what I was wondering. Yeah, it's uh, you know, one day I'm gonna write a book uh, <laughs> about the show, um, because you know. Well, anyway, for me, it's a different, right? You know, it's like if you, it's, there's a lot that went on there, but I don't have, there were two of them. Uh, There was one that was in the studio always that was permanently there. And then we had another version that um, we took on the road when we would do shows from like Scotland or or Paris or or whatever. Um, So yeah, I, I know that, now I know that Craig has, you know, the main one, uh, in his place in Scotland, uh, but I don't know where the other one is. So the legend is he he travels the world even now, and uh, <laughs> but maybe someday, maybe someday. But we gotta right. get you that, Jeff. That's yeah, the somebody find that. Yeah, you know, it's all right. 
Okay, maybe a replica. So, yeah, we'll put it. We're gonna put in a big glass case here behind me. Have it all we'll lit have up. We'll have to. We'll have to call our buddy Tom. Tom does, Spina, yeah, to, to, does who does all the replicas for Lucasfilm to make a Jeff for you. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, because I do a big Halloween display every year. You know, we um, we do a big one here at the house, and uh, so I could have Jeff out there. And He's I got lots of Muppets connections too. Air kids. Well, there you go. He does. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So, let me so in terms of you know you were saying you were growing up in the late 70s not trying to place you on a on the time timeline here but what so your your fandom of star wars we see you got phantom menace rocking in the back there where where what's your bread and butter are you original trilogy guy are you just george lucas or where are you at with star wars because i saw you had a recent video you were talking about kenobi you weren't a huge fan of that so your star wars fandom what what is how would you define what you love uh when it comes yeah to i mean i'm a george lucas person you know obviously mm-hmm. i you know i mean clearly you know i've got george's <laughs> well obviously you know he's a george lucas guy and and that's good he knows what's good you know the other stuff is just crap i don't know what that stuff is well george come on that's not fair well i mean it's just you know i should have never sold it i mean it's just they're just taking a dump on everything well i mean things happen well, what are you going to do? Well, I appreciate that you own every single variation of Jar Jar. I do, but let's keep that on the down low. Um, you know what's interesting? I grew it's like up. Like we put in a clip. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. No, please. I, I grew it. up with. I mean, listen. I, the the the. I remember seeing. Uh, my aunt and uncle took me to see Empire Strikes Back. So I would have been five or six, right? And I remember. All I remember about The Empire Strikes Back is driving home from the movie and sobbing because I thought that, you know, Han Solo was dead. Oh. It was very, I mean, I really didn't understand. And then, of course, a few years later, it was the one-two punch of uh, E.T. a couple years later. And, uh, (laughs) but in that one, my my stepdad took me and, you know, he was very new in my life at that point. So I was probably seven years old and he was, you know, kind of a tough guy, big beard, you know, he seemed like- Seemed like this big grizzly man. So, but he didn't actually say that, but I thought that I had to be like tough around him because uh. he was like this guy <laughs> that worked on cars, you know, and uh. like, so he was, so I, so we're walking up the aisle after, as the movie's ending, the credits are rolling and I'm, and I just, all I could do was look down, little seven-year-old me looking down, just trying to be tough. And then I didn't, I didn't make it to the exit. I lost it. And he was <gasps> oh. like, what the hell's the matter with you? It's just a movie. He's fine. He went home. Not a big deal. <laughs> and I'm, did, I'm did such he, a, did he asked, like, why are you crying? And you were like, yeah, was like, Han Solo. E.T.'s. Well, that oh, was e- like, oh, E.T. E.T. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, E.T.'s gone, but it's not even he's, real. What the hell's the matter with you? He's um, fine. He went home. Yeah, he went home. Who cares? I'm so stupid that Entertainment Tonight had just started around that time. And it said, you know, their initials are E.T. So for about two weeks, I would sit by the TV every night at 7.30 p.m., watching E.T., the show, thinking that that, that was a show devoted to E.T. and waiting. Like maybe they're gonna check in with him and let us know how he's doing, (laughs) nothing. Just a bunch of crap. So your uh, your stepdad's from Long Island, clearly. Yes, I don't know where where that accent comes from. (laughs) Josh, come on, get a jab. So even at seven, (laughs) Josh, come on. No, but uh, I think, so it's interesting. So that's the first one I remember Empire Strikes Back. I very much remember the lead up to Return of the Jedi in 1983. I mean, because there were exclusive action figures. 
My friend in grade school, Adam Perez, had every action figure. He was that kid. He was the kid that had every single one. Uh, he had them all, yeah. right? And he even got the special, um, exclusive uh, Emperor Palpatine figure, which you could only get with like, you know, 500 proofs of purchase or whatever. Of course, <laughs> he had them all. Right. And uh, and we would sit and look at this figure and the movie hadn't come out yet. And we would just we were just marveling over who is this guy? How it's does amazing. he figure into all of this? Right. So I, I was around back then. Weirdly, the ones I've watched the most are the prequels. Those are the, I've seen them now more and I grew mm -hmm. up with the original mm -hmm. film. I've seen the prequels way more than I've seen the originals. Now, That's what I think that is. I, the, I always said that the reason that was the case for me is because I I felt like I knew the sequel trilogy in my heart of hearts, but the 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 prequels to me I was like, you know maybe there's this other angle, this other detail that I'll pick up if I'm if I rewatch it, like I'll learn something new. It'll mm. it'll be greater in my heart if I spend a, just a little bit more time with it mm. here or there. Did you feel that way? Or is that why you ended up rewatching them? I think like you're choosing that one over the sequels. Why? Or the originals? Well, why? I'm, I always wanted, you know, filmmaking is one of my other great passions. And so I've, one of the things I used to watch were the really old, um, the really old uh, serial pictures like Buck Rogers and Flash <laughs> Gordon. And, no, but I started to re I started to figure out, you know, as you get older, you start to learn about the the people that you admire. So I started to find every book I could, everything about George Lucas. And I started to learn, as we all have, that, you know, Akira Kurosawa's uh, Hidden Fortress was an influence and the samurai, mm -hmm. you know, uh, culture was an influence. And then um, there was this Flash Gordon thing. And so I watched Flash Gordon and the 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 gaudy sets and costumes and the way that the dialogue is delivered and the look of the ships. And so I think that George perfected that with the prequels. I think that he was always trying to make that Saturday morning, that mm -hmm. that matinee 1940s thing i think that's yeah. all star wars ever was to him <clears throat> and so to me the prequels are so close to that uh and i don't know what it is and it's all they're also really george luke i mean like he'd made all three of those he directed them warts and all and george just has this certain style that is unmistakably George. And I think it's very endearing. And I and I just love that he, I don't know, maybe it's just someone like as an artist, as a creative person, I just like that somebody had an idea and did it their own way. You may not like it, you may like some things, but it doesn't, it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. That that's you know, we've been going through this since the special editions back in 97. Yes. I mean, yeah. Come on. Right. Everybody and got upset then and then they all went and saw the prequels anyway. So it doesn't matter. We really love it. Same thing with uh, you know? Crystal Skull with Indiana Jones. Very oh my God, it's pulpy the best. And, yeah. Again, yeah. yeah, Crystal Skull is as close as you can get to that <laughs> style of film. King Solomon's Minds. Like it's just right on the nose. It's right. so much fun. It's like you're reading an old comic book about, you know, the 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 red scare and you know aliens in the 1950s in the cold war i mean yes it's weird it's weird because indiana jones is in the middle of that right and yes there's some you know well there's a lot of prairie dogs which i think is great every time i see prairie dogs <laughs> and that's even in the, the thing i did with jamie costa where you know spielberg says uh 
Well, it's, it's very exciting. George wants to do a whole, do a whole movie with Prairie Dogs. So I think Indiana Jones Five is going to be Prairie Dog. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. It's just, it's just, you know, that's George probably would if he could make an entire film about Prairie Dogs. I'd see it. And Josh, you know what? You do, you do the 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 hands together thing that Spielberg yeah, always does. Yeah. Like you don't just do like the deep fake. Fine, you know it looked yeah. great, but you know that he does that, and it's just like that's such a part of the impression. That's... And like your your Goldblum with the with the spider mm-hmm. hands and oh, stuff, yes, and just like. Yes. <laughs> well, I think that I think that comes from a deep love, and again, it's filmmaking because I, I think the guys that I do the, the people I do the best and the ones I love doing the most are George Lucas and Spielberg um and and morgan freeman you know to an extent but but lucas is my favorite impression because yeah it's a <laughs> it's filmmaker so it's someone i really love that guy and um a friend a, a friend of mine who works for uh lucasfilm and has uh you know produced and made some of their animated uh, series he reached out to me maybe a year or so ago and said hey i just want you to know um I couldn't believe this man. He said, I just want you to know George's son Jet um was uh watching your deep fake stuff with his dad. And I was like, Yeah. And and he said, and he just he wants you to know he he loves them. He thinks it's really funny. And I was like That's fantastic. Yes. Thank you. So that's it. I'm done. What else? Dude, you are done. That's yeah. amazing. So what was your like what was your instant reaction when you heard that? Well, the first thing I thought was, okay, cuz he was kind of like he can't really come out and say anything about it. No. But he just wants you to know through the grapevine. I went, oh, "Okay, so that means he probably agrees with mostly everything I'm saying as <laughs> fake George." <Georgia." laughs> So that's great. Um, I think no, he'll peak when you actually sit down for that interview as interviewing George as George. That's what I want to do. Oh, man. I would yeah. love to do that. If if someone could make that happen, I, I would love to. I would love to sit and just talk with George Lucas, whether I'm dressed as him or not. Yeah. But I would love to sit and talk with him about and just be like, dude, I get it. I, I'm the guy. I understand. Right. <laughs> no, I want right. to talk about like, the the serial you know i want to have him autograph all my jar jar figures um no it's funny you you brought up the kind of like unapologetically george stuff because that's so true that's like one of his charming qualities is he's just like and what we've heard from interviewing people at lucasfilm is like he never apologized for who he was or what he wanted it was just that's what george wants and we had hal hickle from ilm on and he was Mm -hmm. talking about the Jabba scene in A New Hope where he steps on Jabba's tail and he like right. kind of bumps up Han Solo mm-hmm. and Hal was saying how he went back and, and fixed it. So it looked more realistic. He didn't step on his tail. Jabba didn't have this big reaction and he right. thought he was like, oh my gosh, this looks so great. I'm going to show it to George. And George was like, who took the Jabba part out? It was the best part of the whole scene. Like who took this out? So then exactly. he's like, go put it back in. And it was like the one thing that everyone was like, oh, this is so weird. And it's right. the thing that George liked the most. Well, just put it, what is, wait, where, where's the part where he steps on his tail? <laughs> well, that's the most important part because what you don't realize is later you're going to see a little scar on his tail in Return of the Jedi. And you're going to realize, you know, Salacious Crumb is going to be sitting there and he's kind of going, ooh, he's, he's looking at Leia's ass, you know, because she's got the outfit on, but. But really, you see a little scar, and then what you don't realize is that's from Han Solo. Oh my God, this guy's a genius! Yeah, Hal said the, the funny thing though is Hal was like he got angry. He was like, "Who took it out?" I bet. You know, my favorite scene is the making of uh, 
it's a great documentary called from puppets to pixels and um you know the great rob coleman is in there the legendary rob coleman um and he's you know the animation supervisor and he's he's leading this this younger group of animators <laughs> and there's the one scene where yoda it's a very end of attack of the clones where yoda has to look like he's he's you know um sad but he's he, it's this one scene they keep coming back to where george just can't get the animator to get it right and he just he he keeps razzing the guy and he's like oh yeah no he looks sad it's sad yeah look oh poor yoda oh poor you well and then, and then he'll say like well okay maybe sad was wrong okay he's not sad he's uh you know regretful maybe i don't know come on guys and then he'll come back in again and go come on guys what the hell are we doing you know, but he's kind of playing it up for the camera. But I, then I imagine when they stop recording, he's just yelling at everybody. I don't know that he's really like it. He's probably not like that. But well, I love um, the the Seth Green clip that was from a long time ago, where him yeah. and his buddies are at the table, and he's like, he brings up Marjade, and he's like, no, get out, get out, and he shuts right, the door right. on him. That's really it. Always good. makes the rounds on George's birthday. But yeah. the funny thing is, we talked to J W Rinsler, and George really didn't like. Marjane, that is actually true. Wow. Yeah. And he doesn't like Yaddle, is what we also know. So it's just funny that he has these things. That he's like, nope, not talking about it. Don't I don't want that. <laughs> Luke does not. Luke. Luke does not have any. There's no love interest. That's bullshit. Get that out of there. <laughs> clowns. <laughs> George is yeah, a bunch of clowns, a bunch of weirdos. This is my world. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's. I was thinking of that with uh, you know Rob Zombie's another uh, filmmaker that I love and uh, very topical you know, Halloween right now. Halloween, yeah, because like Halloween 2, I think, is the most original Halloween movie since the original film. Maybe Halloween 3, but um, <laughs> and, and I saw, you know, the, the Munsters trailer, obviously, everybody knows. And that was kind of the point, wasn't it? And job well done, everybody, because everybody knows that that movie's coming out now. Yeah, and, that's uh, for sure. You know, and I'm watching the trailer and now I watched the trailer and I was like elated. I love the colors. It looked like a full moon home video release. Uh, I cannot wait to see this movie. And the beautiful part of that about that is Rob Zombie doesn't give two shits what anybody <laughs> no. thinks. Yeah, so, doing his own thing. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the way to do it. You know, he he's living the life. He's making movies with the love of his life. She's in almost, pretty much every movie yeah. that he's made. And, you know, they keep, they keep giving him money and Universal loves the hell out of that guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, just do what you want you know i mean george has george has innovated so many things and changed so many things just in film alone and the world of special effects so i think it's to be admired yeah but you're right those 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 prequels i've always said are <laughs> I, I think those films are the i would be remiss if i didn't ask you about your time with howard stern because i grew up mm in my mom's car listening to k-rock 92.3 and howard stern she was a huge howard stern fan she loved his interviews more than anything um yeah. now you got their attention because you pranked good morning america as arnold about something was that what it uh, was i was uh no it was a fox, oh, and uh, fox news it was yeah. Uh, still okay. on yeah huge huge is it, show is yeah. it fox and, and friends uh, still on I think so, yeah. I think, I think so. still Steve Ducey and some of those guys are still hosting. And uh <laughs> but I called in as Arnold Schwarzenegger and I don't I think it was it was a radio stunt. It was it was a show out of Atlanta at the time called The Regular Guys. And they'd have me on occasionally. And um 
they said, hey, we got a we got an idea. We want to try to get you on the air with Fox and Friends. And at that time, Arnold was in New York. Just, you know, sort of feeling out the political world. Uh, he hadn't he wasn't running for governor yet. Uh, but he was talk, talking about education and fitness and all these kind of things. And so <laughs> somehow I got on the air because I just kind of was doing a very casual, real Arnold, you know, which I learned from the Conan the Barbarian uh, DVD. I was working at Blockbuster Video <laughs> at the time. And a very specific the, source yeah, of material. I know, I know. Which, any, were, which anyone yeah. knows who has that could do a good <laughs> casual Arnold now. Yeah, if you if you get that, if you get that, yeah, you anybody can do it now with an app. So don't even worry about the commentary. Uh, <laughs> but I listened to it over and over again, and just the way that Arnold would talk was, you know, so he was so funny he's such a funny guy and it wasn't like you know get to the chopper and all that crap that's all that's the movie stuff yeah but in this you know he was he, he would pause and smoke his stogie and he would say this is the great scene where i'm making love to the witch woman you know look at her na nails growing and the fangs and all that and then he says we don't have these effects on women anymore do we <laughs> exactly just stupid <laughs> shit like that and you'd go what is this guy my you know, favorite thing he does uh, now is him riding the bike behind his mini horse is like the best yeah. thing on the internet. Isn't it great? Just Arnold <laughs> yeah. with his horses. Just being and, himself. Yeah. And 45 pairs of boots. And oh, you know, he only eats vegetables now. Yeah. It's amazing. He's an amazing guy. But but that was uh, you know, that was a wild thing. That's when you could you could you could prank a show like that. And then they kept me on the air for I don't know, four four minutes or so until they That's started. Unbelievable. Wait a minute. This isn't Arnold. <laughs> just shows you how dumb these news shows are. Oh, yeah. You know, they're just but, looking but to I, fill time. I man. I think the opposite too, in some way. Like that just goes to show how good you are that you're fooling right. a whole studio of people like that yeah. that's an unbelievable thing. And yet you're doing such a good job that it makes it believable. Well, at the time I mean, I appreciate it. that's very nice of you to say. I think I think if you listen back at the time, it, the impression sounded so different, but it was good enough, you know, and there was no YouTube. Or I didn't have to compete with 7,000 other people yeah. on TikTok and who can do the exact same impression. You know, you go, well, what's the point, you know? Right. So thank God it was at that time. But um, there's but definitely yeah. been a boom of that, by the way, people doing impressions. Yeah, yeah. But the thing about it <laughs> you're is, like, I noticed. So I, I got to say this about nah, impressions because yeah. I, I think like, in my opinion, you could do a voice. Everyone does like a Christopher Walken and, and, yeah. and everyone does the Arnold, but they do like the ah, ah, Arnold. Exactly. And but you not only do the like the nuanced, like I'm eating breakfast, Arnold, like what's Arnold doing mm -hmm. when he's reading the newspaper? Mm -hmm. It's the content that you come up with. All these people like they, they do these impressions for three, three seconds. Right. They don't really say anything. You've had conversations on a national broadcasted yeah. news show <laughs> fooling people for minutes to the point where mm -hmm. Howard Stern, like the king of radio, was like, I got to get that guy well, on my show. Yeah. This, well, and shout out to uh, Tim Conway Jr., son of the, the great Tim Conway, uh, who was oh, part yeah. of the Carol Burnett show. And, you know, I, I got to know Tim Conway Jr. a little bit. And he hosted a show in L.A. called Conway and Steckler. He did a show with, with Doug Steckler who was a writer for SCTV, one of my other, you know, favorite shows as a kid. And so somehow I started, I, I would call into their show as Arnold 
and uh, and they really enjoyed it. And then Tim made a call to Gary, you know, Baba Booey over at the Stern Show, <laughs> and that's that's how I started on that show. And um, but when we did like everything was improvised. I mean, everything. When I did the uh, blow up the moon phone call, which at the time was the really big one, even the news covered it like it was a real story. <laughs> Uh, MSNBC, there was a guy that, I think Joe Scarborough had a show and he was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's comments about, you know, women's menstrual cycle and the moon. Way to go, Arnold. Way to lose half your constituents. And, oh I, was like, and then the next, he had to apologize. Okay, we found out that wasn't real. And uh, it made me really happy. But so that was all like four in the morning for me, West Coast time, because yeah. Howard's in New York. Right. But the, the the penultimate was the second day they were on satellite radio and it was day number two. And George Takei, who ironically I would base some of Jeff Peterson's early voice on, George was on as the announcer. Oh, my. You know, and I they had me call in as Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that was the big that was the big one. That oh, was yeah. the George, I pranked him into he thought that he was talking to Governor Schwarzenegger and oh you know, talking about you've got to make gay le marriage legal and you had a chance to sign the bill and you didn't. And I said, Well, you know, unfortunately that day uh, my pen was not working, so I could not uh, sign the bill and you know we had him going for like 15 minutes and it became like the top one of the top 10 segments of all time which 100%. is like but it was all made up it's just all made up i listened to that live morning. i'll never forget listening to is that. that right yes oh, that's cool i got once he went to satellite my girlfriend at the time bought me the device i had to suction it to the roof of my car <laughs> oh, yeah, and all that stuff. yeah yeah i listened to I, i'll never forget that when when they did that oh, that was amazing, that, that blew my mind and now that now that i'm talking to you that's incredible so real quick that was a before, big one. before we move off of howard Right. Did, like in talking to him, did you only talk to him on the air and that was it? Or did you ever have a chance to have a conversation with him where he was like, hey, you did a great or, uh, or anything like that? In the, in the very beginning, they actually flew me to New York one time uh, and they put me up in a hotel and I was part of a game show segment where you could win a date with this uh, adult film star. It was Tabitha <laughs> Stevens. Oh, right. Yep. And so it was me... Jeff Curro, aka Jeff the Drunk, who who I I know a little bit, and uh, and then I, I don't remember who else was there, but but it you know there was no muscle suit or padding for me, so it was just this dude. It was young young me, two thousand two me, with sunglasses. They gave me the sunglasses <laughs> and this like oversized leather coat, I think, and i'm sitting there and Artie lang is there and i'm like how is good morning how are you and uh but during the break you know he was really nice he's a super tall guy but mm -hmm. he's a really very sweet guy and you know asking if i got in okay and are you having a good time and Artie. so it was it was a really good experience uh, but that was probably the only time that i spoke with him otherwise it was like stuttering john or gary or somebody that would call me at like four in the morning and say okay you ready okay how is it gonna be raining like 30 seconds so next person you hear is gonna be howard okay all right get ready and then that was it oh, sitting okay. there, my boxers half asleep going uh, hello good morning howard <laughs> which helped the voice because i was you know not quite awake yet so uh <laughs> true but true. most of that was improvised and um pretty much all of it i mean the, the, the writers would just say something like 
talk about, you know, you want to blow up the moon or uh, maybe <laughs> these are some of the reasons that you want to do that. Okay. Oh my God. You know, that was pretty much it. Wow. Know? Now, and, when you uh, improvise I did it for about eight years on the air like that, knowing the size of the audience, are, do you have go-to jokes ready or are you like, I'm just trying to think of what the next thing is going to be like, is it, is it that spontaneous where it's almost like a roller coaster and you're nervous about what you're coming up with? Where like, what's that I think feeling? I would make some notes. I think I would just have bullet points. It's the same thing I would do with the late, late show. You know, I would listen, like I would listen to Craig's monologue. I would have a copy of the monologue ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then I would listen. And if there were things that he would hang on to or stuff that he was interested in, um, I would just make quick notes and just have it there. Um, and I did the same thing with the Stern show. So I just thought, you know, what if, what if he talks about this and this, I probably wouldn't get to any of it. Honestly, I would never get to any of it. Um, <laughs> I kind of like the tightrope of like, let's just see what happens here. The Stern show, that room is like one of the, you know, one of the toughest, most cynical rooms that there is. So I, I was very um, honored to be a part of that. I think at some point we, I'd started doing the Late Late Show more and more and more. I think I probably, the last appearance I did was like 2011. And now a buddy of mine, Piot, P-I-O-T-R, Piot Michael, he's on there now and does, he does their Arnold and he does, uh, you know, oh, there goes my light. Well, that's it. I'm out of the blue light club. Take care, everybody. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> it was now you're on my side, Josh. Well, what are you going to do? Look at it now. Just a plain it. room. Nothing left here to see, folks. You still got Phantom Menace um, cooking, though. So yeah. Right. I know. What's going on? Well, listen. Oh, look. Oh, yeah. Go on. Go on, Anakin. Go on. Go. <laughs> go. Go walk around for a while. This There's going to be five minutes of you just walking around. It's going to be very boring. <laughs> and then, And then there's going to be a weird pickup shot where it's a year later and you've grown a few feet. And your haircut's a little different, but it doesn't matter. It's kind of like when we when when you made Attack of the Clones and Ewan's beard keeps changing from scene to scene. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things. The midi chlorians got in there, constantly telling us the will of the force. Go on, boy, go on. Walk into that all all red room with the carpeting on the ceiling and the floor. Go ahead, boy. Five minutes of politics. Enjoy it. There you go. I'm just watching the movie now. Oh, here comes <laughs> here comes this guy. Who's this guy? He's always pissed at Panaka. General Panaka is never not upset. He is. That He's always guy, telling people what to do, too. No, hell no. We will not do this. You're crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Turns out Panaka was 100% correct. Right. I do not like this. This is not a good idea. I'm he, a bullshit. He joins yeah. the empire. <laughs> That's, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, just, yeah. How did this happen? It just, he, when everybody's making choices, he he stays on the government side. They this pissed is, him off so is, much that he... Where does this happen? Is this like in the Clone Wars show or is it in the Oh, no, it's a, yeah, it's in the books. So it takes, okay. it's at the point that it happens, it's after Return of the Jedi. So okay. he's still, he's like, you know, hey, we tried it and... Uh, now we're at a loss. That actor, that actor, like I guess I don't know that actor Hugh Hugh Corshi or whatever his name is. Yeah, he. Uh, I'm acting like I don't know or whatever his name is. I'm not sure what that guy's name is. I don't really watch these movies at all. <laughs> I know so little about it. Um, he he wanted more money or something, or yeah. he wanted more dialogue, and so then they replaced him with uh, 
the uh, the Australian guy because they were shooting in Australia. I don't know who that actor is, but General uh, something or other. Oh, he's the, for the, the guy that the says, clones? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, you're right, Typho. you're right. Typho. Typho, there was no danger. And you're like, oh, okay, well. Oh, yeah. So he says that, and then all of a sudden there's a big explosion. So it's kind of what you don't realize is there is danger. Because <laughs> right, he realize. says there is, well, he says it. If he says, oh, you're right, you know, there was no danger, you know, well, you're right. And then you kind of go, as the audience, you go, oh, well, look at that. I guess there was no danger. And then boom, we kind of hit him with this fireball. And everybody goes, oh, geez, there was danger. <laughs> George, <laughs> while I have you, um, yeah. uh, what did you think of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? Wow. I mean, it's, uh, well, I'll tell you this. I, I sometimes have trouble sleeping, and I, uh, I've tried everything, tried everything, you know, sleeping pills, warm milk, all this. But I tell you what, man, this Obi-Wan show is perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, let me just say this. Was it not enough for you people when Anakin got his legs cut off. Was that not enough for you when he was, you know, falling down into molten lava on Mustafar and he, he catches fire and says, I hate you to his friend. Oh yeah. That wasn't enough. No, we gotta, we gotta have more. You guys are full of it. Just a bunch of crap. <laughs> That's fine. I think it's fine. There's a couple fun moments in there. You know, what are you going to do? But every Needs time that Lucasfilm, laugh, so. every time that Lucasfilm logo comes up, it's gotta be good for you. That's that's another check for daddy. That's what I always say. <laughs> that every, every time, time a see, phone says droid, right? Every time. Every time. <laughs> and you know, and ironically they're you know, the worst phones, but you know. <laughs> hey, if if droids could think, you know, there'd be there'd be no one left, right? Something like that. I don't really know the lines in my own movies. It doesn't matter. I think a Dexter Jetster uh, series is what Disney Plus <laughs> should do. And if they were did, and if they were smart, it's what they would do because I would watch it. Um, no, I listen. I think the Obi Wan <laughs> show was fine. I mean, I don't, and I, I'm not one. Look, I'm not, I'm not 22 years old anymore working at a video store, so I'm not full of piss and vinegar, and you know, I'm not angry enough to write diatribes about it, you know. But it, it, it I think, I know we, you guys, I'm sure you've all talked about this already, and it is that weird thing of. You cannot like things, you know, but there's always something good, even in something you don't like in terms of movies. You know, yeah. That's our like whole one, thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. but no, I don't think it was, I didn't think it was particularly good. Am I angry about it? No. Do I hate it? No. I mean, there's, there's some great performances in it. I, I would watch a, uh, uh, Jimmy Smith's I'd watch a Bail Organa and little Leia show oh, I would have I yeah. would have enjoyed that I mean there was a nice little scene I think in the first episode maybe you're uh, where they're on a balcony on Alderaan mm -hmm. and they went oh that was good and then and then that went away where he but, talks uh, about Purgle in that scene and I was like that's a rebels reference nice oh is that right mm -hmm. see now I'm not I've not seen I sort of lost I saw the clone attack. I saw the Clone Wars movie. <laughs> I went to see that in theaters with Zorba the Hut or whatever that was. I love that stuff. And uh, the baby hut thing. And um, and then I saw the first couple seasons of, you know, Clone Wars, which is great. And then I started getting kind of frustrated because what you're talking about is they started to mix everything. Like when I saw Solo, there was a character that revealed herself. She had like freckles and looked like, I thought it was, is that Maya Rudolph from SNL? Oh no, it's, it's some other <laughs> character. Nest, yeah. Right, but half the theater was like, oh. And I went, oh, am I supposed to? I had no idea who that was, you know? So I think dramatically and just from a story 
point. That's a little difficult, I think, for some. But I don't think Disney cares. I think they're just like, I, hey, you need to see all of this. <laughs> I want to know. I gotta, I gotta get your opinion on this because yeah. we, we talked a little bit earlier about you know your your Spielberg and you know the mannerisms that go into uh, someone who's impersonating somebody else, right? And how important that is. But on the other side of that, you're obviously very involved in a lot of the deep fake stuff and kind of being able to mm. bring characters. Uh, into a, an environment that they are, you know, their actors or the people who they are are not actually involved. I got to know, what is your opinion on Solo in the sense of like Alden Ehrenreich playing that character versus somebody like him and, and doing his mannerisms and everything like that, but then deep faking a Harrison Ford? Yeah, I don't. I listen. It, it's it's a great question. It's a really good question, and I've talked about this with other friends who are impressionists and actors. And I prefer the makeup to deep fake. You know, um, deep fake is fun, but it we we end up getting lost in it, and it's just a different kind of performance. Yes, it 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 fulfill. It sort of sort of completes the illusion. But then I have makeup artist friends who on my comedy special, we did a segment called uh, Walking with George Lucas, which is out there on my site, my channel, which I love so much because this, you know, he sculpted, you know, we try, we were very respectful. I mean, look, it's just a fact. We sculpted this kind of neck for George. <laughs> and, you know, we looked at like all the different necks. And then, you know, I went through a whole, he did a cast of my head and I went to his studio and, you know, it was a three hour makeup. And and then I had a, another friend who made this wig from hand. You know, this is these these hairs were punched oh, wow. individually. And so I, I prefer that because you can get more of my expressions. Um, but I I think for film. I just I think the audience should be able to make that that leap. If it's good enough, if the performance is good enough, I think that you shouldn't really be worrying about it. I think that that guy did it. I think he did a fine job, you know, but I think there was there was that other kid who what was that kid's name on YouTube years ago that did an amazing in Gruber. Uh, is that in, Anthony in Gruber? He plays right? Harrison Ford in uh, Age Adeline. of Adeline. Yeah. Age, Age of, of Adeline, right. Yeah. And I think but I think maybe what happened there is, and I don't know him at all, but maybe he just wasn't strong enough of an actor, yeah. you know, to carry. He auditioned. A, he, I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah they so said that, he that, did. Yeah. Well, that makes sense then. because They saw 3,000 people for Han of course. Solo. And they yeah. saw Alden, I think, first and then again last. Yeah, and it makes sense because he's a good, he does a great impression, you know, um, of of Harrison Ford, uh, Anthony Ingruber. Yeah, but he just probably didn't have. Who knows? Who knows why? You never you you never know why. You know. The, also, <laughs> the other guy was coming off uh, uh, Coen Brothers um, film, so right. He just got a Hail little Caesar. more. Yeah, he's got more experience. <laughs> but I think I thought he was fine. I mean, I think I think the movie was okay. I think it would have been had had a better found a better home on like Disney Plus. I think it felt more like a stream like a series i think and it's one of those things just like obi-wan if you know the history of the show which you do you know you go oh, okay i can see what happened there were supposed to be three movies 
and then solo didn't do so well so then they kind of went oh let's fix yeah, it and so right. that's always a mess you right. know you you can't tell stories i mean way, ewan so. was at the premiere for solo like they were probably gearing up to be Setting like it here up, it yeah. comes <laughs> yeah and that's unfortunate it's unfortunate because it's a great it was a good idea you know um mm-hmm. i mean part of me is like I don't want to know all these stories. I don't need right. to know everything. But then the other part of me just looks at it as like the old, not the old expanded universe stuff, the, all those novels that, I mean, hell, there was a book, there was a book I remember about, uh, you know, it was, um, it was Lando, Lando Calrissian uh, betting on some races, but it was like, the scene was like blob. It was just instead of horses, it was like blobs. It was like gelatinous blobs <laughs> that were on a racetrack. And I'm like, well, this has gone off the rails. Yeah. But that's also very George. So, yeah. and they, remember the rule. The rule used to be from Lucasfilm, and I and I'm reading the um, these really crazy Willow the 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 Willow books that, that are very hard to find. The official sequel to Willow. Um, was it like Shadow Star, Shadow Moon, and there's one other one. They were written by Chris, Chris Claremont of the X-Men uh, comics mm-hmm. and George Lucas in the mid-90s. And um, Lucasfilm had one uh, you know, um, stipulation was that they couldn't have any of the other characters in there except for Willow and like two of the brownies. And Laura Dan and you know, and then at the at the last minute they went, okay, you can put somebody else, you can put everyone else in there. George used to have a rule where you could do all these comics, you could have all these stories, and they had to sort of skirt around the main saga. You can't get, you can't, you can talk about like what Luke maybe has a garden or something, and you know, but don't don't get anything else. But now now it's like they're just outright telling the main stories i think that may be the issue i had with obi-wan because it was like oh this is like it's it's different from mandalorian obviously because it's directly connected to everything Mm -hmm. so you know you're playing with fire guys you're playing with fire you know (laughs) and that's you know that's fair like i i'm a big fan of solo because i'm a big lawrence kazan guy yeah Uh, sure yeah uh ron howard george lucas actually directed one shot you know yeah John Williams still did the theme, so it's still. And I think it was George Great. Lucas's idea to do a solo movie. So I, I, I think we, the three of us, love that movie. Uh, I understand the criticisms, and that's that's called. Uh, oh, it's a, fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a, having an adult discussion and, and with nuance, which yeah, doesn't exist online. Yeah, that's what this is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I have to ask you because you 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 mentioned what ifs before. Do you mind if I toss a few what ifs at you? Uh, about potential changes that could have happened if other people played certain characters in Star Wars. Sure. Okay. So sure. you talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger before. Uh, right. Big guy, bodybuilder. You know, David Prowse, also bodybuilder, played Darth Vader. Right. What? What would? <laughs> what would the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, sound like if he had played Darth Vader? Uh, so uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in. And he's auditioning for Star Wars. Okay, well, this is fantastic. This is great because with the, with the black, uh, you know, with the helmet and all this. First of all, I would like to do it without the helmet because uh, but they will not see me, you know, so they will not know. They would say, I don't know who is under there. So, okay, just if you could just read the, uh, just read the, just read the scene. Okay, George, I will get to it. Who the hell are you? 
what have you made? You know, some stupid movie about the future and a dumb movie about teenagers who, you know, who all, by the way, all those teenagers in the American graffiti and all this, they look like they're, you know, 35 years old. So this is the bullshit. All right, just please read it. Or we're going to have to ask you to leave. Okay. Uh, this is from uh, Empire Strikes Back or something like that. Yeah, this is a scene where you're um, you're telling Luke something. I can't tell you what's happened. It's a secret. But boy, when you find out, it's going to knock your socks off. But <laughs> you're just telling Luke, like, come on, man, be part of my evil group or whatever. Just do it faster and more intense. There's Listen, there's no escape. Do not make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize the importance, you idiot. You've only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. You know, you're very flabby, but with, with training and with bodybuilding, you can be in the Sith. There's a lot of bodybuilding and training and weightlifting, but you'll be looking great. With, uh, with our combined strength as bodybuilders, we can end the destruction and the conflict and all this, and we can bring the order to the galaxy and all those things. Because oh. right now it is a mess. The galaxy is a total mess. Look at it out there, out the window. All total mess. All the destruction. Where are you going, Luke? That was really, that was, uh, all right, well, we'll call you. That was great. Oh, my God. That was, that was, that was awful. Let's, we're not going to have him. This guy's terrible. He's never going to make it. But, George, what, what if uh, Frank Oz got called in by the Muppets and, and, and just couldn't do Yoda. What if, what if maybe a young, you know, late twenties, Jeff Goldblum, uh, came uh, in to be Yoda. Would that be something? Okay. Uh, well, this is, uh, uh, hi. Um, what's your name? Uh, well, yes. Uh, uh, Jeff, uh, oh, hi. Yes. Hi. I remember she was, uh, the wardrobe uh i was in annie hall yes hi um uh jeff goldblum yes for uh uh yoda which um is uh now what what is uh is it is he, is he, is he a frog is he uh, <laughs> uh you know, is he an insect or or what is he what is he how why ooh, where when okay uh well that's it's he's sort of a he's sort of a frog creature and he's uh, kind of been banished. He's kind of hiding out. Uh, he's a hermit. And uh, he's sort of training Luke here. And what you don't realize is he's a Jedi Master. What you're about to find out is he's a Jedi Master. And he likes little snacks. He likes little, he likes, uh, <laughs> he likes, uh, you know, cheese sticks. Oh, oh, cheese sticks, yes. Oh, I love cheese sticks, yes, yes. A little, little sauce, of course, of course. Yeah, so he's eating one of Luke's cheese, fried cheese sticks, and he gets, he tells him something. So just read, just go ahead. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, uh, size uh, matters not. No, look at me. Yes, look at me because judge me by my size, do you? Oh, mm, ah, mm, it says here. Oh, mm. Uh, and and well, you should not for my uh, allies. The forest, yes, the forest. It's uh, powerful, powerful everywhere. Oh, there it is. It's all around. I can feel it. It's tingling. Oh, life uh, creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings, are we? 
Yes, we're glowing, glowing, not this crude. Oh, the flesh. Yes, crude matter. Oh, George, you're so good. So good with this. The writing, the prose. (laughs) You must feel the force around you here between you, me, the tree, uh, the rock. Sure, my shoes, your pants, (laughs) uh, the camera, you know, whatever's there. Yes. Uh, Even between the land and the ship. Yes, the ship. Mustn't forget uh, the ship. How did I do? I felt good. Uh, yes, so George, yeah, we'll call you. That was, um, oh Christ, I, I... oh God, just kill me, Mr. Lucas. I, you know, I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What, what, please, what... no more. One more, Mr. Lucas, one more. Uh, what if oh. Ian McDarmid uh said, I'm out after Attack of the Clones, and they were able to bring in Morgan Freeman to play Sheev Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. How, is All that right, something well, we could do? Yeah, okay. So hopefully this is the last one. <laughs> is that is that you, George? Or yeah, well, that's me. Is that okay, George? Okay. Hey, hi, Morgan Freeman. Hey, George. How you doing? This is um, this is uh, I don't know what this is. You know, I've read a lot of scripts and I can't make heads or tails of what any of this shit is, but I'm going to go ahead and read this. Now, uh, who is this uh, Palpatine? Uh, Palpatine. It's, uh, he's, uh, you know, Dark Lord. He, well, at this point, he's he's not a Dark Lord. He hasn't revealed himself, but he, uh, in this scene, he's kind of, you know, telling a, a fable that's actually directly connected to, to himself and his, his uh, mentor. So to speak, you know, my mentor was uh, Joseph Campbell. Did you know that? I don't. I don't care, George. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, I call him Joe. By the way, so just read it. And you're telling this young kid he's a real dope, and he's got like a shag haircut, and he's just oh, nobody likes me. And you're just like, look, here's the story. So just go ahead. Oh, and you're at an opera. There's a weird <laughs> orb with like you know sperm or something floating through it so what did you just say what we haven't figured it out yet we're having people draw pictures and stuff go ahead did you ever sorry did you ever hear the tragedy of darth plagueis the wise Mm, well i thought not it's not a story the jedi would tell you it's a sith legend oh look at that they got that sperm right there that's crazy how they float up there like that Anyway, Darth Plagueis wasn't a dark. He was. He was. I'm sorry. He, I got distracted because that is that is some funky shit, man. Uh, <laughs> Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith. So powerful and so wise, he could use the force to influence the midichlorians to create life. Wink, wink. Should I do that? Well, that's a little on the nose, but... You know, <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge. You know what I'm saying, Anakin? Ha, <laughs> get it? You're looking in the mirror when you're looking at me, son. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, He had such a knowledge of the dark side that he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. (laughs) You see, I did that inflection there, just like he would have done that probably. (laughs) The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. (laughs) That's good. That's good for the trailer. You could put that in there. The only thing he was afraid of was yeah, losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, I keep my mouth open like that. Unfortunately, 
<laughs> he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. It's ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. I created your ass in a vat. <laughs> Surprise. You're my son. These tickets ain't cheap, you know. It's like $50 for this seat. Is that John Noel over there? How'd you get in here? Well, that was great. Thanks. You know, these oh. are deep cuts. You know, a lot of you kids out there. Oh, I, man. I, I know you know what we're doing here. Josh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, man. Wow. Look, it's it's one of the it's one of the it's one of the best. It's one of the best scenes in that entire film is that opera scene. Yeah. And George is there. George is there with his <laughs> with his daughter. Right. He's yeah. he's 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 <laughs> out front having a casual conversation with her and he's and painted outfit. blue. <laughs> Right. And he's like, oh, 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 I see. You know, and all the effects guys are there and they're all sitting. It's so, but it is an amazing scene. That is what that, that is an amazing sequence. And um, so is that scene where, uh, you know, Padme and Anakin are, are seemingly looking out across the city at one yeah. another. There, there's no, there's no dialogue. It's like, it's almost an electronic score by John Williams right. there. And uh, yeah, there's some, you just you're not going to get that kind of stuff, which is fine, which is fine, because there's George Lucas Star Wars and then there's what what's happening now. And I think they're different and you can enjoy them. You can enjoy them uh, in different ways. Totally yeah. fine. I wonder sure. why he chose that part to put himself in. Like that was the part that he's like, this is it. This is the I want to be outside of the, uh, <laughs> uh, the the opera house. I think that's the moment. But why? Well, because I created Palpatine and Palpatine, you know, maybe created Anakin. So he's wearing this like big purple hat. Yeah. <laughs> very regal. Very That's regal. He is. You know, Baron Papa Noida. Like you think like if I was to direct Star Wars, I'd be like, oh, if I'm going to be cameo, I want to be like a Jedi or Stormtrooper. Right. He's like, well, no, I want to no. be that guy. <laughs> I mean, he's at least he was realistic, like George, where he can't have you running around like in like I want to be in the arena because in the arena battle uh, on Geonosis, there are some. Um, man, there's some funny there's like some real, uh, real relaxed Jedi. There's like these two dudes <laughs> that like throw. No, they like throw lightsabers in unison. Oh, to, I think they throw like a gun or they throw something over to like Anakin. And they do it like, hey, bro. They might as well just be like, hey, bro, here you go, bro. We got you, dude. <laughs> I'm like, are they, whose sons are these? Is there, are these like, these are effects people, which is really cool. I, I love it. But yeah, Kit Fisto, obviously, is the best thing in that whole scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. God, I love that when stuff. That was fun. Yeah. Over. yeah. Oh, man. I, I was watching that the other day. Uh, Attack of the Clones is great. And that the land battle. Uh, on Geonosis is still just unbelievable. It's so staggering to me. Yeah. How they pulled that off in 2002, which yeah. means they were working on it well before that. <laughs> and it just looks so good. Uh, and there's the scene where Yoda in close up, shot at a low angle, is, is realizing that Anakin and Obi Wan are in trouble because they're about to meet Count Dooku on the landing platform. And that animation in his eyes, it looks like something that's tangible and real. And then you've got a fully CG trooper, a clone trooper, 
talking to Yoda and Yoda's thinking, and then he says, bring me a shit. I mean, it's brilliant. That's brilliant stuff. You know? Yeah. I like those weird moments. Around the survivors, a perimeter create. A perimeter create. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's funny because, you know, Attack of the Clones, probably my least favorite Star Wars movie, but I still love it. And if anyone who doesn't like Star Wars makes fun of it, I will fight you. You know what? It's like one of those things. Like I can make fun of it because I'm here when I want to, but you can't, you don't, you make fun of my movie, you know? It's a, it's a good one, man. It's if, if, uh, well, I have Phantom Menace, if you'll notice back here in black and white, and that's a really cool thing to do also with the Indiana Jones movies, because you know, these were, as we were talking earlier, all influenced by these old black and white films. And when you watch it this way, it's incredible. It looks like it's from the 40s and it just plays completely different. And But specifically Attack of the Clones, which is, um, you know, like a, a Raymond Chandler. It's, it's, it's film noir, you know, it's, yeah. it's a murder mystery. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi doing a lot more Obi-Wan Kenobi detective work, I must say, than in this series that just came out. <laughs> Sneaking around and on Geonosis and watching like, uh, you know, Dooku having his meeting with all these crazy people. <laughs> the robot guy that's like- The robot guy who's like, oh, so the techno union army. <laughs> and I mean, that's just so, what would be kind of funny if like he's, you know, having trouble translating himself. And- George, we're putting it in. We love it. Everything I wish I do. knew what George was thinking about that pear scene because that's, I think, one of the funniest scenes in Star yeah. Wars to me, and it's not supposed to be, and it's right. just one of those things. I mean, when I saw that, so, okay, so it was 2002. Especially because she goes from, like, don't look at me, and then she's like, I'm in love with you, and I'm well, like, wait. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, she always wanted to be with Anakin. Well, she also... Be, I mean, she's got problems of her own because also Anakin's like, hey, I killed uh, all the women and the children. And she's like, well, here, here's some milk and cookies. <laughs> Let me give you a hug. But isn't that the thing? I mean, I think I think that I think that in a very melodramatic way that George's sort of, you know, melodramatic over the top way, which I love. It goes back to the, you know, American graffiti, the, you know, oh, loving yeah. the, the bad boy, you know, the, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, it, yeah. that's the Anakin's like the ultimate bad boy of the universe. Yep. I killed women and children. It doesn't matter, baby. Let's, <laughs> you know, ride off into the sunset. Like, I like, wow. I like how when you say he's the ultimate bad boy in the universe, Darth Maul, the doors opened up behind you. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and Darth Maul's standing oh, there the right TV, behind yeah. you, ready to yeah. kill right. you for that opinion. <laughs> and then cut in half very quickly yeah. and easily. Yep. I think um, I think the only thing that I have a problem with, with I, I love Mandalorian, though. I think Mandalorian's doing some really interesting stuff. And, and to an extent, I really like book of Boba Fett because I love Robert Rodriguez and that's another that's another guy like George Lucas that just does it his own way I mean there's nothing I loved his I mean, stuff I yeah, know people man, criticized that. it I loved it I thought I loved the spin move thing that people were criticizing I loved all of it I thought oh it was it's fun. great I mean I love King Kong the original I mean I love any version of King Kong but but the original King Kong 1933 you know just watching the rancor hanging off the side of a building yeah. like King Kong I was like this you know what this is great this that is was my favorite also, episode yeah, it's it was um it was like a kid playing with action figures, really. Right. It was awesome. And yeah. so, but I think that I think Obi-Wan sort of veered into 
uh, it looked like a CW show. It looked like Star Wars if it were on the CW. So it started looking a little too conventional for me. It, it, it's doing the thing where it's make, starting to make Star Wars too conventional. Star Wars should be a little weirder, I think. I and am I think, all for weird Star Wars. Yeah. And I feel like the newer stuff has lost the campy fun moments at yeah. times. And it gets yeah. really too serious for itself. But and that's then the fans take it very seriously. And they're like, this is so serious and the lore yeah, and the not. whatever. And I'm like, I, well, I grew up with the giant slug that like yeah. was going ho, ho, ho. And I thought it was the best thing ever. So like. It, yeah. No, exactly. No, you're right. You're right. That's, I think that's, and that's why like, I love Amy Sedaris and I, I that oh, stuff with Amy Sedaris and the pit droids <laughs> the is best. the perfect, is the perfect compliment to the prequels. And the fact when they rebuilt that uh, ship, the, the starfighter, yeah. The I had tears. That I had tears. I I was more moved by that than anything in Obi Wan, and I'm that that's the truth. There was, and that's crazy wow. because when I saw Phantom Menace, I was uh, that was 1999. I was 24 years old when I saw the Phantom Menace, and so anybody that says, "Well, it's because when you were a kid, you," I no, I was 24. And I have such a fondness for that movie because it's over, you know, 20 years ago now. It, it, so what does that mean? Why am I almost crying at the scene where he fixes that ship and then takes it out for a ride? It's to one me, of the that felt ships, like George yeah. Lucas. That felt yeah. like George. I think Favreau and Filoni get it. Um, no disrespect to the, and I get what situation they were in with Obi-Wan. I get it. I understand mm. there were scripts. I know they had to scramble. You can feel that it's not their fault. Um, but yeah, Filoni and Favreau, they got it. They should just do it all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, really good. Look, Kathleen Kennedy, I know, you know, we're up on time. We don't want to keep you forever, but I mean, we do, but you know, uh, <laughs> but and Kathleen Kennedy recently said she was looking for one person to oversee sort of all the, the feature films that they want to do. And you have to assume she asked Favreau because he's yeah. right there. So he's probably like, right. you know, I, let me, I'm, I got this thing. I don't want to be you know, chained to Star Wars forever. So I'm sure she asked him. So uh, I, I don't think it's without trying uh, anyway, but. That would be amazing. Yeah. It would be amazing. But, yeah. you know, either way, look, I'm I'm glad there's, I, I can't keep track of all these shows. There's too many shows coming out. I don't know. Oh, Marvel, I can't. Uh, you come close Try keeping track of the books and stuff too. Yeah, there's <laughs> books. And like, you know, listen, I, I, got, I got my old Marvel, the original run of the comics, you know, the omnibus <clears throat> books they put out. Uh, it's like, it's enough. There's like a big green bunny rabbit and Han Solo. <laughs> look, I, it's enough. I can't, you know. But I am excited about the, the thing I am excited about is the ILM uh, documentary coming uh, Light I'm magic, yes. That. I that's yeah. great. Yeah, I have really uh, thrilled. I had a chance to I had a chance to view that early, and uh, I put a review out. This comes out uh, this past Monday. I put a review out on it, and Lawrence Kazin is my guy. So the fact that he directed that, and at the panel at Celebration, he said the reason why he did it was for his grandchildren to oh, bring nice. to bring the new generation into the spirit of collaboration without ego, without competition, yeah. and to work with practical things and not be trapped with the limitless budget of we can think it, we can do it. It's let's find a solution to make this thing work. And yeah. the fact that he said that's why he made it, all that spirit is in there and learning these things about these people that, you know, you, we, we've regurgitated Empire of Dreams a billion times to people uh, to show how much we know about Star Wars. This is another one to be like, whoa, Dykstra was talking like that. They were doing this. Mm -hmm. It's I just really love how happy George special. looks. And all the clips he, he does look show. very happy in this, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's because I don't I don't have to be making this crap anymore. I can relax <laughs> and you know take a vacation. Wear some shorts. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah, I'm making all these making all these little films that you'll never see. But uh, <laughs> you know, life is beautiful, man. I'm sitting on four billion cash. You know, I don't care. What do I care? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's great. And Industrial Light Magic is that's it, it's, it's uh, finally given their proper due in in a documentary because, man, when I was a kid. You know, that was like the only that was like the only big effects house on the block, man, those guys. And they were making everything. They mm -hmm. owned the 80s, you know, and I've got all the books. I got all the hardcover books, the practical era and the digital era. And it's just it's 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 an it's an astonishing body of work. And so, you know, when I do watch those prequels, I'm often struck by how impressive like Jar Jar Binks is just in terms of his physicality and Ahmed Best. I've worked with before and I've, I've met a few times and he's, he's a lovely guy. And, you know, he, to me is like the pioneer of the mocap stuff. I mean, Andy circus is the, you know, the, the King, but I think that the, you know, Ahmed best was there first. And I think it's crazy to think that in like 97, those, that team at ILM was trying to figure that out. Oh yeah. And it still looks amazing. It's just crazy to me how good it looks. And uh, I'm excited, man. I, I love that stuff. Just wizards, man. Yeah, and just so wizard. They're so wizard. So wizard. <laughs> Come on, George. What? It's funny. Little kid, he says it. He says it's like you know, it's so cool. You know. Yeah, I mean, how, what the Mandalorian says it, right? Doesn't he say? Does yeah. He say it, uh... In the in the Starfighter, when it takes. I mean, off. that blew my mind. He was like wizard, and I went, "Okay, <laughs> that's a hundred percent tossing that one in there." Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um the uh, Ahsoka uh, show as well. I think that one's going to be really good. But what do I know? I don't know anything. Just a guy sitting in my room with no more blue light. Come oh. on, guys, Get the blue light fixed. <laughs> you know one well, one of these one of these days you're going to be doing felonies. You know, like looking back on his time in Star Wars, you'll be doing uh, you're right Filoni impressions and people... yeah, I'll have a deep fake yeah my my deep fake yeah. uh, Filoni series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be eighty, I'll be seventy years old coming back on the show and uh, guys, I'm gonna show you my new Filoni. Uh, that's great, Jeff. That's really great. <laughs> I'll have liver spots. It'll be great. Still be talking about the prequels. I just found one of those fish. Um, well, Jar Jar calls it a, a goober fish, but I, I was at a Monster Palooza uh, horror convention in Pasadena like a month ago. It's, it's probably how I got COVID. And uh, <laughs> I uh, found for five bucks that that fish. It was the action figure and you could make the mouth open and close. And it came with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn hanging off the back, holding a spear. You know, one of those scenes that never happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you you've never seen anybody more thrilled than this guy. Like I'd found a million dollars, and the guy at the at the booth that was selling it was just very nonplussed by the whole thing. He's like, "Yeah, just five dollars, dude." And I'm like, "Do you understand what you have here, sir?" Right. This is a goober fish. And he's like, <laughs> "I don't know what you're saying, man. Does it come with the Liam Neeson?" Yeah, just five dollars, please. Thanks, you. God, you're a wonderful person. He, he didn't care. You're a wonderful human being. You're a wonderful human being. You're a wonderful human being. Is that the and fish that, happens, that was Then eaten, I stepped on his tail. Eaten by the uh, the big fish? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love the There's big fish. I love the, the jacked, muscular 
huge fish. What if we have like a bigger? Well, then what if we have like a bigger fish? Okay, George, stop. <laughs> well, what if there's a third fish that's like even bigger than that fish, and then maybe a fourth fish, and then he could say there's always a bigger fish than the, than the than the bigger one. We could just kind of do that. <laughs> all right, guys. Good luck animating all that. Bye. And then he walks out the room. <laughs> the meeting goes on for an hour. He's like, and then there's an eighth fish. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> And then he leaves six months later. They're like, here you go. Well, that's okay. Uh, what if we put a ninth fish in there? That might be good. Mm. <laughs> Looking man, back go now, that. Two, two fish was good. Two fish was oh, good. Man. Yeah, two fish worked. <laughs> Cut the other I may, have gone too, I may have gone too far in some places. Yeah. That's a, yeah, an actual line. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah. And then Ben Ben Burt. Oh, because I, I got to, uh, I, my comedy special, um, I actually got to do the sound mix at Skywalker Sound. Oh. And that was incredible. I had a friend of mine who had a, the director of my show had a connection over there. And that was at the time when they were mixing The Force Awakens and Gary Rydstrom's mixing room was next to our room and it had a sign on it that said, do not enter. And we just kept hearing Chewbacca from behind the door like over and over again and i'm like what is happening what is that scene what is chewbacca doing and so we were trying to mix my show but trying to figure out what's going on over there so right. anyway so we, we screened my my show in the thx theater at skywalker sound and so i'm sitting there with a bunch of people and here comes the segment of the show where i'm george lucas and i look over and there's there's ben burt hanging out <laughs> standing there with his hands in his pockets uh just kind of looking at the screen and then he said something like oh this is great george would love this this that's funny george would, all right guys i gotta get back to work and i was like that's that was uh wow <laughs> that was the guy right there holy cow that was an amazing experience man dude yeah the guy who invented Wild. every sound effect said your george lucas was great yeah and I was like, can you tell George that, please? Can you, can we, is he here? Dude, they got to no. get you in a room with him. That has to happen. I, um, I would love to do that. We, when we, when we were at Skywalker Sound, we did prank, um, man, who's, who's the, uh, oh, Matt, Matthew Wood. So mm -hmm. Matthew Wood, it was <laughs> yeah. like, like he's now the Ben Burt, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he was, also working on uh, the Force Awakens, I went. He did I, somebody, Grievous too. He did exactly just General Grievous, and he, I it said uh, one of the guys there. I think the guy that was mixing my show. He said you got to call him as George, <laughs> and you got to mess with him. So I called him up and I was like, "Hey, hey, Matthew, hey, it's George. Uh, listen, I know it's kind of last minute here, but..." Um, if you could do me a solid, I just kind of think if we could just somewhere in in the movie, if we could drop like a like a Gungan in there somewhere, you know, because I don't I feel like that just needs to. And he's like, well, I mean, it's George is kind of late in the. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just do me this one solid. It's not a big deal. I mean, I can't even. We can even have somebody send the elements over to you. And, he's, <laughs> and I must have talked to him for about three minutes or so and and then i said and then i said also i was wondering if you're not busy if you'd like to talk about working on red tails 2 
And then he went, who is this? And that was pretty much the end of that. Had to get the red tails in there. That was really fun. Somebody has that recorded somewhere, but they were like, never let this out. Never let anyone hear this. And I went, come on, man. Damn, man. Anyway, so that's my story. That's my adventure. Dude, that's great. I, I mean, we can't thank you enough for coming on. This was oh, I had, it was blessing. great, man. Thank I you have so the, much. I have the pain here and here from the laughing. So, um, <laughs> for my for our audio audience, they don't understand. I'm saying my cheeks are just killing me right now. But ah, uh, it's um, very nice. Thank you. Let let us know you you. Uh, I don't know that you plugged your channel before, but you know uh, where can they find your channel on YouTube and anything else that you may not have mentioned that you want to toss out there. Um. I mean, you could just, I mean, you could just follow me on Instagram, JRT show on Instagram, but um, yeah, you can just find all my stuff, uh, the JRT show.com. That's kind of the way to find everything. Um, yeah. My YouTube, it's got, I mean, I've got uh, the, the pilot or my comedy specials on there. Um, there are, you know, playlists of the deep fake stuff, which are on someone else's channel and uh, yeah, late, late show stuff, whatever, kind of a nice little, uh, crash course and all the things, but yeah, do check out the deep fake stuff. I mean, I, I'm really proud of the stuff that we did over there. And there's some, there's some, the one where George goes to Vegas and we actually got oh on God. a little jet and went to Vegas and uh, <laughs> it was really fun to celebrate <laughs> how poorly the last uh, was it rise of Skywalker, uh, <laughs> you know, it didn't do as well as everyone hoped. So George was like, yeah, let's party. It's great. It's so ridiculous, but uh, really enjoyed doing that. So yeah, check that, check that stuff out. It's, it's, uh, that's the stuff I enjoy doing the most. So those really are great. Means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. The George impression is outstanding. Then when you put the face over it, it's just like, it, it messes <laughs> with the brain. It really does. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. It's a little scary. Yeah. It's a little creepy. Yeah. Um, so uh, I really can't thank you enough for coming on. It means a great deal. You, I mean, anytime you'd be willing to come back, we would love to have you, man. So I'd uh, love it. Yeah. yeah. And next time I'll make sure my blue light stays on. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> and next time I'll get a blue light and then we'll all have blue lights. Yeah. Could you please? Yeah. I should have charged my blue battery. K Kmart's <laughs> uh, clearancing them out. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> I have right. a few blue lights. I've got a blue screen if you'd like to use that. All right, George. <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners for being a part of TRB. Whether you're listening or watching, make sure you do subscribe to the show. Um, shows every Monday and Thursday. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and at StarWarsNewsNet.com and my movie pod, Just Like the Movies. Uh, Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. And James. Yeah, if you want to follow me, Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. All right. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you laughed as hard as I did. Uh, Josh Robert Thompson, everybody. Thank you so much, sir. And for our audience, until next time, we'll see you with another episode right here on the Resistance Broadcast. We'll see you around, kids. <laughs>